0: Yeah. Management and leadership are not the same thing. You lead people. You can manage a process, but you want to give people engagement in the project so that they own it, right? Because if they own it and they're engaged, they're going to make better decisions about it because they want the project to do well. They want it to succeed. And the only way to do that is to allow people to make decisions and trust them to make decisions based on their experience and their expertise. And if they mess up, it's got to be a safe place to say, okay, you messed up, let's try again, right? That's leadership. Welcome to ArcaSpeak, a fortnightly podcast about all things architecture. My name is Evan Troxell, and I'm one of your hosts, along with Neil Pan and Cormac Phelan. Have you ever wondered what it's like to work in the profession of architecture? Have you ever worked with an architect? Have you ever wanted to be an architect? Maybe you're in school and don't know what you're getting yourself into, or perhaps you know exactly what it's like because you've been working in the profession for a long time, and you know that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Or maybe, just maybe, you're planning on changing the world. Join us as we have a casual conversation about our passion, architecture. It's time for some speak.
1: So welcome to episode 87 of the ArchiSpeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell.
2: And I'm Cormac Phelan.
1: And this episode of ArchiSpeak is sponsored by Arcat. Arcat is an online resource for all of your building product needs. Check out all the features they offer at arcat.com. Another sponsor is David Brown International. DBI is a professional recruitment and consulting firm for the architecture and interior design industry. Visit them at www.dbifirm.com. And we're also sponsored by Drobo. Drobo is a family of safe and expandable, yet simple-to-use smart storage devices. Drobos are designed to protect your important data forever. Visit www.drobo.com to learn more. And we'll talk a little bit about each more of them later in the show. But first up, we have a a quick announcement to make.
0: That's right. We are now on Google Play Music. And so we'll have a link to that in the show notes. You can also find it on the website on our About page. And that will take you directly to the Arcuspeak Podcast feed where you can then stream the music off the Google Play Music Store. So all you Android users out there who are on the Google Play Music Store, you can check us out. Just uh, search for Arcuspeak Podcast. And I'm sure it will pop up. And like I said, we'll have links to that if uh, if you can't find it. So we have a direct link in the show notes. You can find the show notes at our website. Sign up for those on the right side of just about every page on the site. You enter your name and your email address. You will only get show notes when we release new episodes. We respect your privacy. And so we're not going to send you spam. So uh, go ahead and sign up for the show notes. You'll get all the links that we post that go along with all of the shows that we do so that you can... Click those and follow along with us as we do the show. And that's it. Uh, So last week we talked about the title of the episode was I Quit, and it was about why people leave firms. And so this week we wanted to follow that up with a show about what it takes to keep people at firms. So we wanted to talk about retaining employees
1: So how do you keep employees? Well, we've got several links, and they'll all be in the show notes, as Evan just mentioned, how to get those. Um, But the first one I I think I wanted to start off with is uh, one called Tech.co. It's called 15 Tips for Keeping Your Best Employees. And, uh, we won't necessarily go through all of these, but, uh, but it's just kind of interesting to read through how there's a lot of similarities. Actually, we've got several of these links and, uh, I think one of them was, um, uh, what was it? It was, um, don't micromanage. That was it. This one's listed on several, uh, several of the, uh, sites that we're going to be referencing tonight. Um, and I think that's, that's a, that's an important one. How to keep your employees is don't micromanage them. Let let them make some decisions and uh, and figure out how some of this is done on their own.
0: I have had a lot of experiences with micromanagers. <laughs> I think it's it's natural for uh people to to feel like, you know, we I've had the right answers for so long, I'm going to make sure that those continue to happen, right? Because people will get rewarded and they get moved up in firms for performing well. And so then I think they they start to take that to kind of an extreme and make sure that everybody else is performing well with the same recipe that they used to get to where they are. And so they're trying to kind of mentor and teach that, but they kind of go about it in the wrong way where they're not really trusting the people who are working for them. And so that's when that micromanagement, I think, starts to creep into the picture.
2: Yeah, I think that kind of overlaps because, you know, you have architects who are... Most of the time, naturally, you know, type A personalities or, you know, have got just this control issue that they have over a project and the way things are done and stuff. And so they want to make sure, as you said, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, what was successful in the past continues on. But the one thing that they never really seem to learn throughout the that whole process is how to either lead – the, the process or mentor the process? And how do you go from basically kind of directing a project to get done to leading that project to get done? And, and that, that's kind of where I was going with it is just, yeah. you know, um, micromanaging and leading are two completely different things.
0: Yeah. Management and leadership are not the same thing, right? right. We You lead people. You can manage a process, but you want to give people engagement in the project so that they own it, right? Because if they own it and they're engaged, they're going to make better decisions about it because they want the project to do well. They want it to succeed. And the only way to do that is to allow people to make decisions and trust them to make decisions based on their experience and their expertise. And if they mess up, it's got to be a safe place to say, okay, you messed up. Let's try
2: again, right? That's leadership. Yeah, because, I mean, anybody – any project manager, you know, who is directing a project to get, you know, from point A to point B and they can pull out their little kit of parts of, of their, their book. And they've, you know, let me flip the page and say, okay, we should be here. We're not here yet. We need to get here. And here's how we do it kind of thing. That's, that's a way to get the project from point A to point B. But is that a way to get the people who are working on the project from point A to point B and, have them learn, have them grow with it, have them feel a sense of, you know, like responsibility. You you said it perfectly, how to, you know, keep them engaged in the project. Because, you know, a lot of times, especially with newer uh, people who are just fresh out of school, if they're thrown right into the fire and you're not guiding them through why, you're doing some of the things you're doing, and you know, and kind of guide them and say, "Yeah, I know that this is kind of a tough, you know, period. You know, you're you're adjusting to you know new life in the in the firm, your new life or in the profession, and, and you you know don't really understand a lot of what's going on. But um, here's why we do what we do. You know, so if you're not mentoring them through, a lot of times that's when you lose them, and that's when you lose them at the firm. Well, that sink or swim kind
0: of mentality
2: is is
0: it it's really damaging, right? Because if people aren't getting that mentorship, they're going to look elsewhere to get it.
2: Oh yeah, and I've I've never understood the sink or st- swim philosophy because here you are, just like oh, we're just going to throw them in the deep end, see if they can float. But this is your project, too. This is you throwing them in and waiting for them to succeed when they don't really have the tools to succeed. You're actually – you're not just damaging them. You're damaging yourself. Yeah, there's definitely that – with when
0: it goes along with micromanagers, because I think that they have – they definitely have trust issues with – they. a lot of times they think, well, I can do it better myself. So – they they start to take away responsibilities from people because they don't trust the employees to do that, right. uh, and and it's like for for me to win, you have to lose, kind of a thing, right? That's the whole sink or swim mentality, and yeah. and that is detrimental to the firm, right? And so if you yes. have a person who is, I, I'm going to use the the podcasting air quotes here, the 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 leader who has is a high performer but they have very low trust that is a toxic leader right oh, yeah. there yeah yeah and yes. toxic leaders kill firms and they kill where that firm where that firm's potential lies and so it, it really, I, I like to look at all of these kinds of situations from a parental standpoint. You know, having kids really does change your outlook on how to handle these kinds of things. And I feel like w- when I look at my kids, like, I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I did. So, I'm going to help guide them. But I also want to let them make mistakes so that they know right. what not to do. And so, it's a safe envir- environment for them to do that. They're not going to get reprimanded every time that they mess up like that's just part of life that's part of architecture is messing up and learning how to deal with those mistakes if we never learn how to deal with those mistakes that is when you're just going to end up either losing the client losing the project or something because you're creating a place where it's that toxic place where people can't exist they're just going to leave the company if they if they realize that that's the situation that they're in
1: you know, part of this uh, that toxic sort of environment. <clears throat> I think it, one of the other items on on one of the list was stating goals clearly. Um, one of the uh, struggles sometimes uh, that I've I've encountered myself is is that when given a task, right, um, there's no direct kind of communication. Like, there's an expectation of what the goal is, even if it's just, "Hey, I need you to input this plan" or something. And it's like okay, yeah, I'll go do that. But then there's no like, maybe that should take you a day, or maybe that's two <laughs> days of work, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, because you may go off, and you've, you know, you may get distracted on something else. Somebody asks you to, you know, and suddenly two days go by, and then that that person comes back and it's like, well, why aren't you done yet? Uh, well, you didn't tell me it needed to be done, right? And so you know, or, and now there's this. Feeling of well, gee, I, I'm not good at what I do, or uh, there's there's uh, there's some trust. I can lost. never please
0: you, kind of. I thing.
1: can't please you, yeah, right. and so because you never set the goal to
0: begin with. So by well, expectation. Clear expectations are huge, and, yes. and I, yeah. anybody who who has a significant other knows exactly what this is. Like when I my wife, I it took me a while to learn this, but when she wants something, when she asked me for something, like. Can you please get out the toaster? It, it's like, because this came up this morning, right? It, it <laughs> actually means right this second. <laughs> but she doesn't state the expectation. Like, I would like to toaster out. And then if you don't move within three seconds, it's like, I'll just do it myself, kind of a thing. And this comes up all the time in the office. It comes up at home. And, and so, like you're saying, Neil, if, if there is a goal, but there is not the expectation of when or what the timeline is that's associated with the goal... Then not having that clarity leads to potential points of failure. Right, right. And if you're the employee, then it's up to us to ask.
1: Say so if the task is given, say, okay, when do you need this? When when do you expect to, to have this back, or or what's the deadline on this? So part of this is also to engage yourself. Uh, in there and that, that'll help. And and then hopefully the employees listening and they're like, oh, okay, I didn't, I failed to do this this time. So if you want to maintain your employees, think about that and, 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 and offer that state those goals clearly.
2: All right. So coming at it from a slightly different view as a project manager who basically has to kind of create a series of milestones throughout the course of a project, um, depending on what, um, when your deliverables are due, um, when, you know, and and obviously it's a kind of a readjustment depending on... Like, say, for instance, and I'll, I'll give you a real-time example of the project that I'm working on. And every time we turn around, the um, the clients are asking us for additional, you know, graphics or information because they're trying to deal with the um, the local community who is, you know, interested in the project and they they need to see, you know, images or information on it. And you really can't kind of... Create, uh, you know, hard deadlines and things for that. Or you've got, you know, different funding sources that you have to go to, and you've got to give, you know, tailored uh, presentations and things like that. So you, you know, so you have like kind of these shifting um, bits of uh, kind of like milestones or deliverables. But then you have your overall deadlines that are set in stone. That you know this is what's this is when you have to get it done and then you know then i'll i'll go in and then i'll kind of like overlay a series of internal deadlines that i know we need to meet so that we can stay on track and stay on path so when you know i spend all this time doing you know basically subdividing the project out in time you know in relationship to time when i'm assigning tasks i'm also assigning expectations of okay I'm telling you, Neil, that you need to work on all of the floor plans, and it's not just you know the floor plans, but it's you know enlarged plans and you know plan details, blah blah blah, whatever.
1: No way, and, man! I quit. I'm out of <laughs> <and>, here.
2: <laughs> and, and so when I do that, I'm telling you when it's due, but I'm expecting you to manage your time to be able to get all of the tasks that are you know, that are both assigned and the few hidden, you know, unassigned things that are part and parcel to having a successful floor plan and all those other things that you need to do to kind of get the job done. So there's a, there's a bit of kind of a um, expectation from the project managers to, that they don't have to spell everything out for you, that you're going to be professional enough to kind of figure out everything. And, and I guess in a way that, to me it goes back to this whole, you know, not throwing them into the deep end and hoping that they can swim, but sometimes they sink. It's throwing them into the deep end, seeing what they can do, but being there to kind of help guide them to swimming. You're right there you're right there ready to throw the floaty. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, you know, and and sometimes I've failed miserably. At doing that, and, and it's a learning process for me, especially being a successful project manager. Um, it's it's been, you know, there, there's been times where, you know, I've either misread somebody's, you know, eagerness to learn with their willingness to work, um, or or vice versa. You know, it's just there's yeah. there's so many different little nuances of things that, you know, just listening to Neil, you kind of explain, um, you know, explain things about like, you know, expectations and, and setting tasks. And, you know, it's just like, well, you know, I really didn't finish because you didn't tell me when I should be finished. Sometimes I'm looking at that as, uh, you know, that's not the right answer. The right answer is, is I gave you the task and you should just do it and get it done as quickly as you can. I think that there's,
0: there's definitely a normal kind of, you're, you're on a project that, For me, the the way that I kind of, I guess, align my my viewpoint with what Neil was saying was, yeah, there's like this normal project that I'm working on day to day and maybe there's a weekly meeting and you're doing all the tasks that have to be done that week. But then like out of left field comes this PIC with a little pet project and they want to do this thing and they're like, hey, can you do this for me? And you're like, yeah, sure. Of course I can do that for you. Cool. And then they walk off, right? And then they come back in an hour. Hey, is that done yet? Right. Like this is the kind of stuff that <laughs> yeah. this is what you know. the The conversation is so quick, and and we all are eager to to help people out. I think it's just kind of in our nature. Like, yeah, of course I can do that. Like I I totally that that's totally my wheelhouse. I can take care of that. I can I can do a rendering. I can pull up a Google Earth image. I can do whatever you need to do. And then they walk off, and then they're like, "So is that done yet?" Right. That was that you you would just push the easy button for that one, right? And so I, I feel like a lot of times there is not enough communication from that higher level of what, what the expectation is of when something needs to be done. It just happens a lot. It's funny. All
2: right. So I, I guess I kind of grabbed a hold of one little point yes, that you you know, someone said. And, but, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of what it is. It's how but it works. Yeah. It's how it works. But before, we, you know, to kind of get back on track, to what we were talking about. And there was a, um, there's a, a, another article that Archonnect put out, um, basically dealing with these uh, very topics that we're talking about. And uh, w- what I thought was really good in how we're in to the point. It's you know don't um, great. I'm, I'm apparently not uh, able to read right now. Don't in, infant in, infantilize. <laughs> infantilized <laughs> infantilized wow uh i know that's not going to get cut out here just to like <laughs> leave it in there You'd be like
1: sink you know, or swim baby let's see what you can swim.
2: do <laughs> but it, it really is that whole kind of you know you you were talking about the parental role of trying to you know let these people kind of feel it out for themselves be there for them but kind of You know, because right now we treat everybody like, you know, or not we, but the profession has spent so much time basically treating us like little kids that, you know, it's let me, you know, like go back to the micromanage. Let me spoon feed you everything that I want you to do. And rather than you letting them learn and letting them grow and letting them kind of develop their own way of succeeding. You basically just hold their hand their entire time, and they'll never succeed because you've never let go of their hands. You've never let them, you know, um, kind of grow up. And um, and I think that uh, um, that that one point, or you know, the the butchered word, yep. Evan, it was infantilize. Infantilize um, is it was I. It just kind of struck me as I was like, yeah, you're right. You know what? I've I've worked with people. That, you know, I've worked with EICs and things like that, that really do kind of treat people like little kids that don't know what the hell they're doing yeah. and never give themselves, never give those people an opportunity. Yep. And then a lot of times they'll, they'll sit around and say, I really like Evan, but he just, he shows no initiative to, to grow. And you, <laughs> you sit there and you're like, well, of course he doesn't show any initiative to grow because you won't let him. You right. won't let go of his hand and let him grow.
0: Well, there's that's that's pretty much get back to kind of where we started with micromanaging. If you don't trust people to do their job and you don't allow them to own their piece of the project and what they're really good at, they're just going to be like, throw their hands up. Fine. You do it. Right? Right. right. You obviously don't need me. If I'm just going to be your graphic secretary, like anybody
2: exactly. can do that job. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You know what? I'm salary. You only pay me from nine to five. So uh, if, if you're not going to let me engage in this project and mentor me and you're just going to micromanage me, I'll be here from nine to five. When it when it hits five, I'm out of here and uh, I'll see you. And just to bring it
0: back to that, your, your point about the parental role again, I think this goes much deeper into the office. And this is why I'm a, a fan of open offices. As far as like the layout and the work environment, because like studio, like when we were in school, you got to look across the aisle and you got to see the fourth and fifth year students when you were a first, second or third year student. you got to see the projects they were working on. You got to see how they did it. You got to see how they talked about projects. You got to see them present and defend their project. Right, And you learn by listening. And the same thing in our firms. If you're in an open office, you get to hear the conversations on the phone and you get to learn how to take care of issues that you're not going to have to deal with for a while. It's the same thing with me as a parent. If 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 I want my kids to learn about money, I'm going to talk about finances and we're going to talk about our family finances out loud. It's not like I'm going to keep all this information secret because if you do that, right, we all know what happens – Nobody learns how to run the business. Right, right, right. And so, again, giving people just the ability to learn about how to run an architectural business is a great way to retain talent, right? Because they are learning how you do it, and they're going to learn like, what works, what doesn't. We're going to learn together. We're all in this together, and we're going to learn how to take this firm on into the future, and I feel like a reason why people leave offices is because they don't have any ownership in the company. It's not even just the projects. It's like how we do things here. right right And if right. that's all behind closed doors and it's all a big secret, it's a really good reason for people to leave because they just don't feel like they're in the firm. They're not owning that part of the firm. So Neil,
2: real quick, uh, how do you get those tools to um, help you grow and learn and develop?
1: Well, I can tell you about some of the tools that you use to do your job. How's how's that? Is that good? That's good. All right. Let's talk about RCAT. RCAT's one of our sponsors, so we're all pretty busy and sometimes feel like we could use another hand to help out, right? Don't we?
2: Always.
0: Always. I need another hand.
1: That would be good. Well, would you like someone to help you out drawing CAD details? Maybe create BIM objects for you. Maybe write even specifications How about if this quote-unquote assistant would do all this work for you free? RCAT is your answer, and RCAT has already done all of this work for you. Search the RCAT libraries for CAD, BIM, specs, catalogs, videos, and more. All of this content created for you, free of charge, and no registration required. Stop registering on sites for content. Just come to RCAT and find what you need. RCAT has created a website devoted to you, the building professional, to find building product information fast and hassle-free. Check out RCAT today at RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. And thanks for RCAT for sponsoring this
0: episode of ArcaSpeak. I took your advice, Neil. I used RCAT today. Yes. (laughs) And you found what you were looking for, had to find some site furnishings and uh, spec section 12, man. That's where it is. Check it out, site furnishings. I had to find some picnic tables for the elementary school I'm working on. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So there they were. They were right there. Faster than uh, Google, right? Faster than Google. It was cool.
1: Yeah. Well, What I like about this is that once you do find that, there's all the supporting material that will go with that. You know, who makes it? Uh, you just do a random Google search. You may find that image or that model piece that you need, but rarely is like all the specs and everything else. It's all interconnected with our So I just, I like that feature and, and what they do there is, is very helpful for, for all the building professionals.
0: There you have it. Yeah.
1: We, re- re- we really appreciate them uh, sponsoring and to everybody. Go check out rcat.com. So guys, one of the things I think that, uh, I think if you want to retain your employees, um, I think we 've already mentioned uh, mentorship and uh, but I think also as well keeping people engaged and and being flexible so flexibility could mean you know work hours um, or if if everybody's cramming for you know several days in a row, then you know maybe that Friday people take off right. If you've got your 40 in or, or whatever and you've met your deadline. So, you know, I think some firms do this, but I think it's it's being flexible and and then keeping your employees engaged and so that they're not feeling bored, right?
2: Well, I think that might be a little – I agree that there's similarities in what you're saying, but I think flexibility and engagement – as much as they go together, I think that might be two completely separate topics.
1: Uh, they are <clears> listed <throat> and, and, separately. I'm kind of, I kind of <laughs> well, set uh, them together, but they're well, both. N- no, no,
2: that no. What I mean go. is, is there's because I think flexibility, especially in office environment and stuff, is going. It's going to be a huge factor in the future of retaining your employees because. Gone are the days. And, and I think we're slowly seeing it in larger, more established firms. And to be quite honest with you, even some of the smaller firms are still really holding on to the bodies in the seats. Yep. And we've, we've talked about it before as you know, I mean, but does, how much does that really help in productivity? And so I, I think that the, um, the flexibility, especially in, work hours or where they work from and and things like that are going to be huge. There really are going to be huge things that firms are going to have to take a look at because there are, you've got the comp time and things like that, that we've got comp time, but we also have, you know, pay time off and all these other things. But how are we in when it comes to working remotely and things like that? And I agree. I I think that, flexibility
0: is is a huge piece, especially of what the next generation of employees are looking for. And so there's a lot of people listening who are probably rolling their eyes (laughs) right now. Like, oh my God, I I can't believe we have to, bend over for these these newcomers and and honestly it's it's a full-on culture shift it is not something that's just going to be affecting architecture it's going to be affecting everybody oh
2: sure but i mean why why would we not want to you know have the flexibility even the old timers i mean you know my god if we had to like dust kneel off because it's change yeah it's just change though Right. Yeah, it it really is. It, I mean, it's it's well, that's not the way that I worked. I mean, the way that I worked, you know, we we came in here and we chained ourselves to the desk and we just kind of cranked it out till you, until you it don't was retire. Done. Right, you die at the table. Exactly. Hey, you stole that thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but this is <laughs> this is exactly
0: plan. it. I mean, we we how we work now is so different than how we worked twenty years ago. But the workplace is still treated as if it were twenty years ago.
2: Oh, I'm you know if if you were to ask anybody like you said 20 years ago, 30 years ago, how they worked versus how they view the way we work now, I guarantee they're like, "Oh, it's totally different. You guys have it easy now." <laughs>
0: well, the I difference is that. we they can't smoke in the office <laughs> or drink in the office anymore. Right? Wait. Damn.
2: What? What? You can't drink in the office anymore? Oh, okay. Uh, who said right. that? I'm going to no oh, From here on out, I will not
0: drink the office. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's it's more than just flexibility of of Schedule. It's also yes. flexibility in career paths. I mean, if you are forward thinking, you're going to have to start to bend the traditional job titles in architecture to meet the, the challenges of tomorrow, right? They're, they are not going to line up the same way that they have lined up. And so we have to allow people to write their own career paths. We have to allow people to define those for themselves and And those are they're going to be able to accomplish things that we don't even imagine
2: if they're able to do that total side thought here, but do you think that's why i d p is being changed to a x p now, the architectural experience program? I think it's part
0: it might be part that it's also just to get rid of that word intern right because there are so many people who are unlicensed but have been in the in the industry for so long that that is a more politically correct way to say it i think
2: well yeah but but i think what it does is it, it kind of also gives you the the flexibility of you know guiding your career into whatever different path you want that's true um yeah because you know you may you may see yeah you're right there are people who've spent a really long time in this profession without a license and it is kind of embarrassing sometimes to be called intern when you're so long in the tooth hmm. however um you know you know it,
1: somebody like that Shut
2: your pie hole <laughs> So. he's working on it but anyway so what what what, what what'd you say to you what, what'd you say evan <laughs> <laughs> totally derailed me Darn um it. i think in turn you know let's 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 um move off of flexibility and get, get into the engagement because you know that you know when you you talked about both of them and you almost put them you know together neil i think in a way, talking about them separately, even though they can be part and parcel of the same thing. I think talking about engagement, you know, talking about the career paths, you know, letting them kind of learn where they where they feel like they fit the best helps them, you know, really kind of grow towards something that may like fit a need. So say, for instance, you... um you graduate and, and you feel more aligned with sustainability. And there's a, a need in your firm for people who are sustainability experts who become your um, your lead gurus or you know the the people who kind of help guide um, projects through sustainability. Well, a lot of times project managers can't do Everything, so they need you know spec writers. They lead, think
0: they can, you know, though, don't they? Clement?
2: Yeah, sometimes they think they can, and, <laughs> and and it gets them in trouble. But that's a different topic altogether. Yeah, um, <laughs> we need to we need to have one called the success and failures of uh, project management. Uh, but um, but so you know, you've you've got all of these areas that people can specialize in that probably, in some cases, will make them far more happier. It's just like you know. Um, I'm not really strong at this this part of the process or that part of the process, but I really like this. And, you know, to kind of help them, you know, develop into that one, maybe the architectural experience program, you know, kind of helps them learn to say, you know what, I'm going to shine in, you know, CA and maybe this is where my firm really needs me. And, you know, if not, maybe I can create that for them to you know one help them streamline the ca process you know save more money cuz obviously we never really have enough money when it comes down to ca cuz we've already spent it on other things um you know so how do we bec- how do we make ca more profitable and things like that this is just kind of you know
1: it, well so so you know, how do we how do we check in on what people want to do we've got to talk to them
2: well you know, yeah like more
1: exactly. than just the annual once a year review so how's it going uh, right i mean that's just not going to cut it
0: everybody knows right? that the, that the yearly review is coming and everybody gets really tense and everybody oh, yeah. starts making mistakes <laughs> because everybody's worried about what's going to happen because i mean we all know what this industry is like when times are tough or when people aren't performing well right we see the firms just lay off boatloads of people. I mean, so so you're right. You have to talk to people. You have to know what's making them unhappy. But at the same time, you also have to stand up and protect your people. And you can find other ways to cut 10% if your team isn't performing. Instead of getting rid of a person, you can coach them and help make them better. I mean, it is about people development. I mean, it's not if you want people to be engaged, like pour into them. Right. So that they feel like they are growing within the, the profession of architecture.
1: So, right. how, how many of you guys have had an exit interview?
0: Oh, I've left a
1: job, right? You've, you oh, might yeah. have had one, right? Our listeners have probably yeah. had them. How I many have had stay interviews? Yeah. I've heard of these. Yeah. So, you, you know, keeping people in it, not maybe not engaged or engaging in what they're interested in beyond just the annual review, have, have the stay interview. Um, periodically, you know, the formal, uh, have a formal interview with the employee to find out what's making them, uh, what's making them stay, right? I mean, just find out why they haven't left. Is it the pay, you know, or is, is it something they enjoy or, you know, and get that dialogue going and engage with your employees.
2: I've worked for some place that should have had stay interviews, but ended up having a lot of exit interviews, um, you know these were people who are really contributing to the success of the firm yet weren't undervalued and so basically it it ended up that you know rather than them staying there they looked for that you know back to the I quit episode they you know they it was too late the firm lost them the the firm you know did not dedicate enough time to engaging them you know and um kind of developing them in a way that would help the firm succeed. So they were just like, you know what, I have, and I think, um, Evan, you had said it, you know, it's, it's how, how do they, you know, it's, it's kind of ownership in the firm, you know, not just like the actual, you know, you are in a co-owner of the firm. Um, but, you know, ownership in being able to kind of, uh, develop your own career path, but also how does that help the, the firm succeed, yeah, And when you ignore things like that, you know, that just shows the people who are really trying to contribute to your firm that you don't really care what they think or what they say, you know, and that's when they start looking for the greener grass.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times that greener grass comes in the form of a headhunter calling you, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah. Let's talk about
0: David Brown International. This happens all the time. and. People uh, – this is one of, those, one of those things. If you keep an eye on your employee's LinkedIn profile, you might even see them uh, polishing it up. That might be a clue. <laughs> so uh, there's David Brown International, also known as DBI, and here is what DBI is all about. Finding the right talent to join your firm in this exceptionally competitive market can feel like an impossible task. Just the last episode, we talked about this being the talent war and how this is the employee's market right now. With everything you already have to do to run your business every day, you need a trusted partner that knows your industry and has a proven track record of success. DBI is the global leader in executive recruitment and consulting for the architecture and interior design industry. So they're really targeting everybody in this audience right now. With unmatched industry knowledge and vast network of world-class architecture and design leaders, influencers, and talent, DBI provides global recruiting, staffing, and strategy. So, does your firm need to hire talent? Is your in-house HR team looking for support? Or perhaps you want to build a brand designed to attract talent on your own? DBI understands the importance of having the right design talent and the right job at the right time. Their professional team ensures that every search is tailored to the specific needs of your firm. DBI is dedicated to delivering the highest quality results. Whether you're an architecture or design firm interested in finding your next great hire or you're an architect that is looking to make their next career move, DBI is the right partner to help you find success. Learn more and contact the team at DBI today at their website, www.dbifirm.com, or you can call 888-774-9161. At DBI, placement is everything. And if you decide to contact DBI, give Zach or Don or David a shout-out from the Arcuspeak crew and let them know that you heard about them right here on the Arcuspeak podcast. So thanks, DBI, for sponsoring. All right, so I wanted to bring this back to uh, something that one of you guys mentioned before we jumped into that little commercial break there was about developing people. And this is something that I think a lot of firms – Suck at there. They struggle with this. They yeah. they don't like to develop their people because they feel like as soon as they spend that money and, you know, it does cost money to develop people to train them or whatever. There's all kinds of different ways to develop people. Um, they feel like they're just going to take those skills and go somewhere else. I tend to look at it a different way, though. I feel like, again, this is a retention issue. And if you develop your people, they're going to be more likely to stay and use that information for your own strategies because if people are growing professionally they are going to feel like they're taken care of so if they're getting training whether it's in software or if it's in the profession or if it's some type of professional development you're not only investing in them I mean it is this it says a lot when you invest in your staff I mean the the humans in your business the HR right they are the most valuable part of your business and I think people who are highly employable know this, right? They know that they have a lot of power, right? And so that's why they can go out and get a job somewhere else and and they're not really going to skip a beat. And this is why firms really have to pay attention to who those people are in their firm. You really have to narrow in who are the people that we need to really cultivate that talent, cultivate it and keep it on our team. If they happen to go somewhere else, you can't look at that as a loss as far as investing in them for their professional development. I mean, you are then just giving back to the profession. The profession is getting better, which is in turn going to make your business better. Um, So I don't look at it as a, I don't want to invest in our team because they're just going to take it and go somewhere else. I want to, I want to invest in the profession because that our profession needs it. I mean, we we all can see this, right? Yeah. Our profession severely needs to level up, and and you can you can tell just the way that public perception and comparisons to other professionals out there, um, as far as you know, just stature in the in our society. This is something that we really need to work on, and I feel like we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by not helping team members on in our own companies. Uh, get professional development.
2: You know, the the thing about that is is that it goes back to what you said earlier about trust. I mean, if a firm isn't willing to invest the time to develop someone because they're worried about them taking that knowledge base and moving on to somewhere else, then they don't really necessarily trust their employees. Yeah. That's a bigger problem than just, you know, that employee wanting to, you know, up and move that it's it's a studio culture that is already broken and is either going to be really hard to fix or not going to be fixed at all if you can't trust your employees to basically stick around after they've been trained to kind of do it your way. Um, because, you know, I mean, here's where we go back to that, you know, that engagement of of trying to figure out, you know, you know, how are we doing, you know, a lot of times we have this, um, we're going to have this yearly, we're going to review you. Well, why not have this? And, and we have it actually at, at our firm. We have a quarterly review. Well, the quarterly review isn't just to say, you know, well, Neil, you know, you've been doing a great job. Um, you know, we're we're glad Thank that you, you joined Carmen. us. For sure. you know, that. Um, but in turn, we want to hear what Neil thinks about us, you know how are we doing? Are we doing a good job? I mean, you know, are, Do you want do the you, you speak
1: like- recorded version or the after dark version?
2: <laughs> <laughs> do, do, you know, could we get you another monitor? Should we maybe not make you work on Windows? <laughs> Keep <laughs> um, going. Sounding <laughs> better
1: all the time.
2: <laughs> but I mean, this is an opportunity, you know, if we if we've talked about engagement, this is an opportunity for firms to not only, you know, talk about The performance of the employee, but the employee to talk about the performance of the um, of the firm and also not only just, you know, pay lip service and say, okay you know, tell me what you, you know, what you want or what you like or what you dislike. And then we just basically um, write it down and then toss it in the bin. No, this is an opportunity for them to really kind of shape the culture of the firm to make people actually want to stay there, to take the information that they're learning from these people and employ it into, you know, the firm. Let these people actually help guide the, you know, the future of the firm. They say, you know, "Hey, I think we should do a couple of a uh, firm-wide outings or something." If they're the ones who are suggesting it, let them help organize it. Let them help become uh you know, a champion of of that particular thing. So then that, that they're like, okay, these people are listening to me. They're letting me, you know, kind of run with this. And we're really kind of they're listening. I'm I'm engaging. I'm I'm being part of this, you know, it's it's now part of that ownership of the firm. And uh, you know, so it, it really needs to be kind of one of these uh you know, both ways type things. Uh, let me give you an example of of something that I think is really cool with um the the firm that I work for. We have these um Uh, peer peer luncheons and basically what it is is it's you know from the newest person intern fresh out of school all the way to principals in the firm and they sit around they talk about real-time uh things that are happening either in the firm or in the profession that they want to get everybody's take on it everybody's thoughts everybody's ideas and you know how do we you know if it's you know how do we um you know, improve studio culture or something like that. And there's been articles about, you know, studio culture. I mean, how do how how do we stack up to, you know, the uh, leading people, you know, the people that where you really want to work? I mean, how do we stack up to them? And uh, what can we do better? And, you know, having forums where you can sit down and have basically from top down, bottom up kind of conversations about the direction of your firm is, you know, it, it 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 was actually, you know, pretty refreshing to be able to sit down and have these conversations. And, you know, I don't know, um, Evan, if you guys do it or Neil, if you guys do it. But, you know, having these conversations about the direction of your firm and engaging everybody who wants to come and sit down at that table and get free food to bonus, <laughs> to, bonus. bonus. Um, it's a great way to engage people.
3: All right.
1: We've talked a lot about a number of different things people you know people can do to retain their employees. But let's get down to the brass tacks, guys. Money, getting the compensation. I thought you were right. going to
0: say. I thought you were going to say ping what? pong table. <laughs> uh, we actually have one of those
1: at the firm I work for now. Uh, no, I'm talking money. Getting the compensation right, the best that you can, all the time.
0: Yeah, this this goes back to I I mentioned it in the last episode, but what they have in that Netflix slide deck that we listened to last time, I guess we can link to it again. And I think that the the article that you're gonna be talking about here references the same thing. I mean, you pay people top of market. What would just ask yourself. What would you pay them so that they wouldn't leave and then pay them that right now?
2: there's one of one of the articles, and I can't remember which one, but since we'll have links to all of them. You the the, the com one Well, it was the one it's, about you know if you if they're coming to ask you for a raise, you late. may have already yeah exactly it's too, it's too late. late you may have already lost them, and most employers. Don't usually think about this, about being forward thinking on raises and just say, you know, hey, Neil, you know, I know you haven't asked for a raise, but we want you to know that your hard work hasn't gone unnoticed and that we're here to basically help you succeed in this firm. And we'd like to give you a
0: raise. And different people speak different languages. I mean, there are people who want one big bonus a year. There are people who would way rather get 25 bucks a week in a target gift card. And and there are other people who would rather have time off and there are re- other people who would rather have a flexible work schedule. And it's I think I think kind of the gist of all this is figure out what everybody needs. Right. And then do
2: what it takes right now to do that. Don't wait. And that goes back to don't just save your uh, conversation about your firm and your employees to one time a year. Right. You know, talk to them all the time. And you know, quarterly is great. Hell, talk to them all the time. Off schedule would be great. Yeah, not not yeah. something
0: that's that's planned out way in advance. Again, creating kind of that nervous energy. Uh, the reprimand is coming. We don't know what because we never have these conversations. It's got to be
2: a bad one, kind of a thing. So, and I always, I always still go back to that. You know, if you're If you have to have a reprimand conversation, you missed something up until that point that's basically caused that person to either just stop caring or whatever. And so you've missed your opportunities to basically help them succeed. So now they've started to fail. And in turn, you failed. So uh, any time... Anytime you get to a point where you've got to, like, fire somebody or let somebody go, I mean, there are some circumstances where, you know, maybe it just doesn't work out. But there are times when, yeah. you know, and more often than not, that, you know, if you have to let somebody go, it's not necessarily about them. It's about you and how you've dealt with those people mm-hmm. and how you've engaged those people and how you've helped either mentor or not mentor them to the point where, you know, they're not a good employee anymore because y- you've helped create a not good employee. Yeah,
1: yeah. The the one article on Tech Co mentions firing the bad apples. So sometimes there's bad apples. So there uh, are. Those the, they they will ad- adversely affect your office culture. So uh, those people have to go.
2: But even the bad apples, though, if you're not engaging them early, and you're just letting them kind of right. become. You know that bad apple that's, you know, now rot, you know, started to rot the rest of them? It's you've you've missed your opportunity. You've you've let it go on too long. You've ignored it because you thought, well, you know, they're a big boy, they'll go ahead and, uh, you know, change their mind and and become a team player and stuff. No, you haven't had that conversation with them about what their performance is.
1: Yeah. I think uh Cormac, I think you mentioned uh, something about LinkedIn earlier on the ink.com uh, article which we will have a link to it does mention and this is a, a pro tip for not only employers but for employees uh, be careful what you post on twitter uh, it's the what are the point uh, point points, uh, or one of the art items in this article points out uh, that you can see signs of frustration in the posts on twitter or perhaps instagram that's
0: yeah, a red uh, flag but, right
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly as as uh, you know some do post uh, images of their computer models all wigging out. <laughs> I don't know who would do that.
3: <laughs>
1: I don't know who yeah, would do that. Yeah, or or seeing if you know a bunch of new connections on LinkedIn. So these are all things that if you are frustrated in your job, you know, referencing back to episode eighty six, I quit. Uh, maybe things you do or don't want to do online, and then for the employer, things that uh, maybe you should watch out for or look for if you're seeing uh, you know some potential signs of of some frustration with some of your employees. And then it's go out and talk to them. Do it like Evan said. I like that idea of the kind of uh, unscheduled sort of chit chat or get together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- mean, I think that's a great idea.
2: What is one lunch, you know, maybe uh, once every couple of weeks or whatever? What is that really going to um, cost you? You know, so you, you you put out 50 bucks to go and take Neil to lunch and, um, you know, sit down bucks? with Neil. Man.
1: You're, you're buying me a good lunch, Captain Cormac. Nice. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. We'll That's see you in Philadelphia.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Say Say it's a $50 lunch that I've decided to spend a little bit more than, you know, taking you to Wendy's but how much is that really going to cost your firm when it's actually going to make your firm better you're going to have a more productive person when you're sitting down and listening to them you know you're talking about maybe talking about you know how are things going and what's going on and you know how can we make things better that that impromptu thing that everyone was talking about That impromptu conversation, that unplanned, unscheduled conversation, it works wonders because it actually means that you give a damn about your employees. I've
0: got a story to tell you about that, uh, but I want to save it until after Neil does the the next sponsor read here.
1: Yeah, I need to talk a little bit about our next sponsor, which is Drobo. And, uh, for, for those that are unfamiliar, Drobo makes, uh, multiple devices that basically are mass storage devices. So you can store all of your data, access it from anywhere. For most, in some of the uh, networked models. So, what I want to talk about first is my own personal experience. Strobo sent me a unit uh, to actually try out. So, in the last episode, I told you that I, I think I had received it or was uh, about to receive it. So, I just want to talk briefly about the whole process. And, and one of the things I want to mention first up is the, and this seems kind of quali- uh, kind of crazy, but the the quality of the packaging. I mean, this is something that Apple gets a lot of praise for uh, when you first open up. It's something that Apple makes. And, and the the mm-hmm. box that Drobo sent and the way it was all packaged and put together, very simple, easy instructions, um, really top-notch. So if you, if you do buy one of these units, it's very friendly to use, very easy to open up and get started with. So I just want to give them some praise because I, I was really impressed. I mean, we've all... Bought some sort of tech and the it's packaged poorly, and it's really hard to to get out and anyway, so I just want to mention that real quick so I got this thing out and actually put it up uh in my office here and connected it now, in my case, I bought or I've got the uh, drobo five n, which is a five storage bay uh network device, so it just connects to my network and plug it in, turn it on. Really simple process. I mean, plug and play literally with the drives. I've stuck uh, two drives into it and turned it on after a few minutes of setup had the software installed on my machine and suddenly, boom, I had uh, this, this uh, Drobo drive set up. It was uh, on my desktop and I could start moving data over to it. So if you have a networked model, one of the new features is the MyDrobo software, which uh, actually came up that I was able to actually use. There was a question that came up in the office the other day. And through the mobile app, I was able to actually reference a document that I had on my Drobo from the office and call it up. And I, I just thought, wow, this is you know pretty cool to be able to do that. Uh, if you have a, a direct attached one, um, you can do other things with it as well um, and just eliminate all of the drives. I think I mentioned on the last episode, all the multiple drives. I've already taken out two drives off my desk. Uh, so that's actually kind of cleaned things up a little bit. Um, so I'm really excited to, to use it and I'm having a good time, uh, so far with it and being able to use it in, in ways that, uh, really I kind of wasn't expecting. Uh, it's allowed me to share files with other people, um, online people that I I'm coordinating with, uh, on different projects. So they're able to, I'm able to password protect and, um, you know, send them a link and they're able to access that data. It's kind of like having my own little private server. So uh, really cool. So I just wanted to kind of walk you through that setup process. And I think uh, next episode, I'll talk a little bit more about how exactly I'm using it. But I just want to throw that out there that I really appreciate Drobo for sponsoring this episode. And if you would like to save some money and getting your own Drobo, Listeners can save $100 off their purchase of a Drobo Mini, Drobo 5D, or 5N, or any of the 8 or 12 drive systems at www.drobostore.com by using the discount code, our special discount code of ARCH100. That's A-R-C-H. 100, and that's only for Arcaspeak podcast listeners. So get out there, save $100 on your purchase of any of those Drobos I mentioned, and uh, make sure you let them know that you heard about them on Arcaspeak. So Evan, what did you have uh,
3: up
0: <laughs> All right. So I had pulled one of the rare all-nighters that architects have to pull, and uh, it was for a competition, like a design build competition. And It wasn't just like one all-nighter. It was like two or three all-nighters in a row. It was just crazy. It was last minute, pulled in to to design this convention center remodel. just worked and worked and worked and worked. And it was all over and got it all turned in and, you know, finally got to take a shower and go go home and sleep a little bit. Came back to the office the next day, or maybe it was a day after that. I don't remember how long I slept after that. And the person in charge of the project hands me a... uh, $25 Target gift card. I mean, I worked, I had worked my 40 hours for the week in like the first day and a half, right? And then I had continued to work all week and then I had worked all the way through the weekend and I got, you know, there was other people there with me. It wasn't like I was there alone, but they were hourly and they all got paid time and a half or double time or whatever it ended up being, right? And and I was salary, so I got zero. Except I got this $25 gift card. And, And I point this out because like you couldn't be more disconnected from what would have been a really you just had this huge opportunity right there like why don't you when a a situation like that comes up just say hey let's go out and do exactly what Cormac just laid out let's go to the bar let's get a drink together and let's talk let's see where you're at let's see what you're doing what are you interested in instead here's a $25 gift card to Target, that you can go stock up on toilet paper. I don't know. Like, what are you going to do with that? I just think it was such a huge lost opportunity. There is a right way to approach those things and, and reward people or just let them know you're thinking about them in like a real human way. Right. Or there is the wrong way to do it. And that is to like dig through your drawer and find something that, oh, I, I don't need this. You can take this. Here's a here's a. Here's a little token. And while I get it, like it was totally well meaning, but it was just the complete wrong approach. And it it just isn't I that to me it makes a
2: huge difference in how people feel valued. I couldn't say it any better. I mean I mean we we've said it a couple of times throughout all of this, and I think um engagement is huge. Engagement, you know, just understanding where and where and what your employees are doing and how they're feeling and what's going on in their lives. And, you know, I mean, if you don't want to get, you know, too personal with your employees and things like that, because there's a lot of people who really don't, I mean, at least understanding where they're coming from and what, you know, challenges they're facing and and things like that kind of help sitting down and saying, you know, okay, Evan, you, you just killed yourself over the past, two, three days, you know, you put in ungodly amounts of hours, which we think is amazing. And we really thank you for it. And, you know, you did a great job. And instead of just saying, you know, well, your salary, so let me just give you this, you know, small token. And yeah, they did probably mean well, but, you know, it was more of, I I, I don't really know if they were really fully understanding who you are and what you do, because, you know, it was just a, oh, we got to get, we got to do something.
0: Yeah, and and that's never going to give get back. You you can't give back what was already t- you know given right. up by the employee, right? There's no way. Right. You can't give back three or four days of dinners with your family, but you've got to do something. You've got to do something that makes like a drop in the ocean. Like you've got to do something that actually has some meaning. Exactly. Maybe a
1: a Starbucks card next time. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just so you can stay awake and work harder. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> click faster.
1: Click, click faster, yeah. You know, one of the other uh, items on the Arcanet article is about uh, withholding information. And, and I think that's important, too. Uh, being a little more upfront with some of the uh, political and economic uh, issues or, or uh, realities that are facing the firm, I think it's important to keeping people engaged, which is something we mentioned right at the very beginning. Um, where if people feel like they're a part of the process and have it can take some—I um, don't want to say responsibility—but uh, you know, put some skin in the game, or at least be aware of that. That uh, people are going to care more and want to want to stay there. Where if you're completely in the dark, you don't know what's going on. All you hear is either, "Hey, we made some money," or you know, "We're really tight." So you know. Um, don't click too hard and break that mouse, right? Or something, we can't afford to replace it. I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
0: Well, yeah, and this is, it just reference what I was saying earlier about allowing people to know what's going on. I mean, there's a reason people watch reality shows, right? They want to see behind the scenes. They want to see how the sausage is made right? Everybody's interested in that. It goes the same for the employees in your companies. If you want people to take over the leadership of your company someday, they've got to know how it works. Oh yeah. And the only way they're going to know how it works is from you. You're the person who has to show them how it works. And so while you might not want to spill all of the guts out on the floor right in the beginning, you definitely need to have a plan about how you're going to reveal this stuff over time and actually let that information out so that they know oh, no. right otherwise it's just they they are going to just not know what to do and then the business is either doomed it's doomed either way
2: isn't that the key to mentorship yeah you know it's and you don't have to throw it all out you you said it best you don't have to throw it all out there now you know it's just take them through the steps you know let them learn let them kind of experience it a bit and then maybe you know release the next run of of information and stuff you know not like be strategic about it i think is be be intentional be strategic you know there's so many different facets of running a business and stuff i mean you can't just immediately start running a business without all of the base knowledge of everything else that you need to do you know because you really do need to be a good architect or at least a well-versed architect yep um before you start running your business, because, you know, then because if you don't, you're doomed to fail. So let them learn some of the basic things that they need to do to kind of get a project from point A to point B, like you keep saying. And then, you know, start to teach them how to run the actual successful business. For, now you're a successful architect, you know. Let me ru- let me show you how to run a successful business. And, you know, it it's We've said it so many different times. I mean, you're looking for your successor. You know, you're looking for the person to take your job so that you can move up the ladder and then keep moving up to the point where you can retire, successfully retire, and then feel very confident and comfortable that you're passing it off to the right people so that they can continue the legacy of what you've helped build. Because you've helped create the knowledge base that they have and that they feel confident about it and they can continue to go on. And, it, you know, this cyclical, you know, um, thought about how to develop somebody is a, is a great way to approach your mentoringship. You know, let go. <laughs> <Yeah>. Trust.
0: <laughs> Again, I take it back to parenthood. I mean, I, it's, it's not like I'm going to not develop my kids to be better parents than i could be i already see the potential in them to be way better than me right oh, yeah. and if they get to that point sooner than i did man that would be a huge win for both of us and i wouldn't be happier if that were to happen right, right. we should treat people in our companies the exact same way we sh- we should not feel fearful that they are going to take our jobs They should, we should groom them to take our jobs as soon as they can so that the company can go farther, faster, right? That should be the whole point. And so if you can take, I can totally find another path for myself. I'm sure by the time it actually happens that I will be covered anyway, right? I will have my path already figured out where i want to go but what i want to do is i want to help somebody else come in and get to that point that i got to so much sooner so that they can take it farther in their career it's bs that people can't do anything in this in this profession until they're 60 years old right it's stupid like seriously that is a huge detriment i can't believe that we actually operate like that yet this is the same story we see at firms everywhere and then once people get to that job protection mode 60 year old job protection mode where they're operating out of fear it this this cycle has to be broken and so i'm hoping that episodes like this where we talk about retaining good employees that we're doing it for the right reasons and that we're trying to keep people uh from going somewhere else because we want them to take our firms to the next level and to take it places that we can't can't even imagine right now
1: all right i think that sums it up pretty well i think Uh, retaining employees is an important thing. We've talked about a number of uh, things in this episode that will help you retain those employees. So let us know how it's working for you. If you're listening to this show, if you own a firm uh, or are uh, a partner in, the, in, in a firm.
0: Or what are you doing? I want to know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. what
1: are you doing yeah. to uh, retain employees? Or what are you not doing that's, uh, that maybe you should be doing after listening to this? So please visit the website at ArcusWeekPodcast.com for links to our catalog of episodes. You can also sign up for the newsletter that includes links to everything we mentioned in the episode. Between episodes, join the conversation by leaving comments at arcaspeakpodcast.com and on our Facebook page or through Twitter. Links can be found by visiting the site at arcaspeakpodcast.com. Before we go, we'd like to thank Arcat. Visit them at arcat.com and David Brown International at dbifirm.com and Drobo at drobo.com for sponsoring this episode of Arcaspeak. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night.
3: It's a slow road, but you have to walk in wheels. You can start now, or you can hang your and despair. It's young.